0: Welcome to the Ease of Business podcast for the Enlightened Entrepreneur, hosted by Lisa Shermerhorn and Celeste Hartwell. Here is where we help disruptors gain clarity on how to make a bigger impact while living a life of abundance through reading amazing books that have helped us in business. Thanks so much for joining us and let's get into it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So this is a really special edition of the Ease of Business podcast because, and so let me preface this with, I know that we said that our next book was going to be The Fifth Agreement by Don Miguel Ruiz. However, we have like breaking news here and our very own Lisa Shermerhorn has finished her book, which is entitled In Every Belief is a Lie. and. We're going to start off by celebrating the shit out of the fact that Lisa hit number one bestseller in multiple categories. Yay! If I had like a clapping sound effect, I would totally do that. Oh my God. Shameless, shameless.
1: Yeah. So congratulations, Lisa. We're so happy for you. Oh, thank you so much. It's so exciting to be here. Uh, you know, it's it was a book that was 20 years in the making. And um, it was so interesting because I knew that I had a lot to say. I just didn't know how to say it. And I had all of these lim- limiting beliefs or what I refer to as lies about, I wasn't a great student, um, so what do I have to say that hasn't been said before? Why would anyone want to read my book? And I did some really deep, intensive work on myself to release those beliefs. And the amazing thing is, and and I don't know how many of the listeners will know um, the law of attraction, but I will tell you: as soon as I released these beliefs. Everything started to show up. The title, In Every Belief is a Lie, came to me. I met a gentleman not long after that who uh, does some work, uh, some training, and he started to use some terms and talk about things that are similar to what I did, but just a little bit different, which opened everything up for me and inspired me to start writing my story. And then it was... Five months of nonstop writing. And you're talking about someone who's really ADD. (laughs) Sit long for anyone or anything.
0: (laughs) I love it. Well, I have to say, as a person who just read this entire book, it's incredible and it's so well done, Lisa. Like, it's it's written from such a neutral space. I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, like I used to coach people on how to write books, um, and I was always like, and I didn't coach you through this. Right. I don't know who did, but they did an amazing job. I just want to name that. But like the emotions that we feel when we're writing is what the uh, is what the reader is going to he- feel, whether we know that consciously or not. That is what happens. And for me, the energy is like our thoughts. Our limiting beliefs, our beliefs, um, or or the beliefs that are working for us, and our emotions, right? And so, the energy that this book was written with was like so beautiful and neutral and loving and kind, um, and I just really, really appreciated that. So I just want to name that like right off the bat because I was very impressed knowing that you, I knew you, right, like right. before you wrote the book, and. And knowing this belief that you've had around not being a good student, not being able to write all of that. And so you did an amazing job. It reads extremely well. And and you know that I agree with, like, every freaking sentence in there, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, you and I do similar work. So I just love um, just different modalities, different things, different ways of doing it. And so I just really loved all of it.
1: Well, it, it, thank you so much. That means the world to me because when I wrote, I just wrote from my heart. And and it, it's interesting because I was married to my ex-husband for 29 years and um, I wanted to be very gentle because he was such a huge part of my life that it was very important to me to be very neutral about it because there's still healing going on. The divorce is only, you know, a couple of years, you know, gone by, even though we've been separated six and a half years and our children and I even dedicated the book to him. Mm. He's one of the people I dedicated the book to because um, he was such a huge part of me and he was one of my teachers. And, um, and it was interesting because I tried writing this book 10 years ago, and it was from the perspective of the victim. And mm. that was when I knew I wasn't ready to write it. Yeah. I had to get to a point where I wanted to be in that neutral place. So thank you for recognizing that because that was huge. And and it really was a download. Like I was laughing because I would go back and read it and I'm like, I don't even remember writing it. It just kind of poured out of me.
0: That's the beauty of when you can clear your channel enough. to just write because I've had those experiences too of -hmm. like I'll go back and reread things and I'll be like sobbing because I'm like this is gorgeous (laughs) and I don't remember writing it and I know that I did but I also know that it's not from me like it came through me and that's all that was always my goal with my clients of writing books was like if you can just close your to me for me I close my eyes and literally put my hands on the keyboard and let what is supposed to come through come through um I know that that's not everyone's process but uh it's such a beautiful space to be to just trust and surrender and allow the universe to guide so
1: and the other thing you're so funny because I had that same experience like I would write and then I go back and like darn damn that's actually really good who wrote that I'm like, this is not mine, but I know that I just did it. Like, But even though they were my stories, it was interesting because there was a vulnerability that I wanted to share, like what I was actually going through. And it's interesting because I didn't write while I was going through the process from a place of fear, worrying about what other people would think. That happened when I finished it. <laughs> Well, thank when God I, I went to hit that. send and I was like, you know, for it to go to the once the editing, so I wrote it, it just went to an editor twice to to check my grammar, which there was so much red in there, I couldn't believe it, but uh she was really good about tightening the sentences and helping me there. But other than that, it was a stream of consciousness and yeah. after I it started getting formatted, I was like, Oh my God, what if people don't like this story or what if people don't like that story or what if I, and, and I had to really let go of that. I had to really let go of that.
0: Well, you had to do your own work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like that, that's the beauty I think of being in the mindset world and like seeing how much our thoughts and our emotions create our reality is like, well, a, I just love the fact that it didn't hit you until after you press send because we would have felt it, right? like in the writing of it. We would have felt it, but um, and 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 also like it shows that you're human. Like we're doing, we're still doing the work, no matter you know. we life isn't all peaches and rainbows and unicorns. No, yeah, no, it's not. It's not. Yeah, but congratulations! I know it's Thank a huge, you. huge thing. So I have a like uh, maybe front and back uh, page of notes that I would love to. Okay, elaborate cool. on and, like help our amazing listeners uh you know get a little feel for whether this book is the right one for them so oh my god sorry now I have to like read my writing I really apologize for that um <laughs> so the sooner you read this book okay you had said this this is like a direct quote the sooner you read this book the sooner you are on your way to leaving the lies behind, discovering your truth, and living the life you have always dreamed of. I just loved that. I felt like that was like a mic drop moment. I was like, yes, girl, yes. (laughs) Um, And you know, I'm all into it. So I mean, I read this book very quickly, because I wanted to be able to intelligently have a conversation with you about it, knowing that I was going to agree with everything, but also wanting to like really pull out some tidbits. And saying that this is a book that I don't think it takes a long time to read. I don't want to say that. No, I loved that. I loved that. It was quick. It was like what a lot of, um, people will call like a, an airplane read. You can get it done in a couple of hours pretty easily, but I also want to invite our listeners to remember that, um, Oh, hi puppy. Um, yeah, she's happy. It's fine. Uh so sorry about that. <laughs> but I wanted to also note that this is a really good jur- um book to have a journal. Make sure you have a journal and to really go through it because the exercises in this book girl, I was bookmarking that shit. Like I was keeping that for later. Um and I really loved that. And also like I felt like the exercises were not scary. Like a lot of times when I go through self-help top type material and I look at them at, and I look at the exercises or the journaling exercises, maybe this is just who I am today versus who I was in the past. But sometimes I'm like, oh my God, the journaling, it's gonna take me three hours and I'm gonna be a sobbing mess. I didn't feel that way with your particular exercises, Lisa, which I really loved. Um, I felt like they were really digestible and easy to do. And I don't have to do them all on the same get-go. I can just mark where they are and I can like maybe do one day and maybe do one a couple days later, you know, but I'm also a person who has realized I need to put things on the calendar, um, you know, to like make sure that I go back to it. But also it doesn't need to take more than 15 or 30 minutes each exercise, sometimes even five, right? Like it doesn't need to take long. Um,
1: Yeah, I intentionally wanted to keep it simple. And what's interesting is um, as a why coach, my why is challenge and then better way and make sense. So what I did was I tried to make sense of very complicated spiritual information and break it down into layman's terms and simplify it so that people could really understand it. And, um, I have a friend who's a psychologist, she's Harvard trained and she's like, you took all this stuff that I studied and really simplified it. And I was like, that's what I wanted because I went through my own struggles and I was going from therapist to therapist to therapist and no one was able to help me. No one understood what I was going through. And it wasn't until I went on this journey and started to seek alternative, um, you know, Tools and things that could really get to the root cause of my issues. I didn't want to just talk about things and ha- get coping skills. I wanted mm-hmm. to get to the root cause and remove them. And I didn't know that that was something that was available. And, you know, as you know, this information is out there for everyone. I mean, and it's, it's not in so new information, places. it's in yeah. so many places. I just wanted people to see my journey and my fears and what I went through and the tools that I use so that they could understand how they could use it for themselves.
0: Well, and you're also, I mean, this is the other thing that I think hangs up a lot of people about writing a book. Not that we're talking about what it ups there are about writing a book, but a, a lot, lot of times it is about, and you mentioned this, I loved that you mentioned this in the book. It was like, but I'm not saying anything new or different But what I always encouraged people was like, you are saying it in your way and your people are going to resonate with the way that you're saying it, the stories that you're telling and who you are when you're writing the book. Right. And so I just love that because um, I'm losing where I was going with that train of thought. But I think, but I'm proud of you. Like, I'm really happy that you were able to get it out knowing that. Yeah. I mean, but I think the other thing is that you did distill down a lot of practices, and knowledge into one place instead of having to read 30 different books to get there because we all know you probably read 120 and lived your life to get to this book, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, which is really beautiful. So thank you for sharing it with us. Um, Okay, so I loved this. I loved this book so much. Um, There were a couple different... Girl, I just wrote down quotes. That's what I did. We are ignorant of being ignorant. Isn't I, that cool? That was really cool. And I loved also the definition of ignorance, right? Um, I'm seeing that I didn't write it down right now. Do you remember it offhand? <laughs> no. Okay. It was like not having knowledge or not knowing the full picture, basically. It right. wasn't of being stupid, which is what we often Um, associate the word ignorant with?
1: Well, well, here's an example that I use because we're all programmed at different stages in our lives. So what are the odds that one person is born into a family that's Hindu? Another person is born into a family that's Jewish and another one that's evangelical Christian and another one that is uh, atheist. Okay. Those aren't our beliefs. Those are told to us as we, as we're raised. If you were raised in a home that had scarcity issues or people who, you know, resented people with money or people with money. Um, If you lived in the city, if you lived in the country, all of these things formulate our belief system and, and they run us unconsciously. And then we go through life. And then when we butt heads against those belief systems, many of us don't know what to do with them because, um, We're also part of tribes, right? So when we are belonging to a tribe that has a certain belief, and then we say, you know, this doesn't really work for me anymore, that threatens the tribe. And then if we threaten to leave it, then we can lose our family. We can lose our tribe. And that happens a lot. And and another thing, and this is not political, it's just an example. You can have someone watching CNN another person watching MSNBC and someone else watching Fox news. Now each person watching the news is, is positive that they're getting the truth or they're reading the New York times. Right. But if you have all these people getting their information from different sources that say different things, how can that be true? So the truth is we're all getting the truth. And some of the truth is missing. And that's where the fact that we're ignorant of being ignorant, because I have certain wisdom, you have certain wisdom, and they're both our truths. That doesn't mean that either one of us is wrong. It's just what works for us or doesn't work for us and puts us into a really dark place.
0: And I loved you said this. I don't know if I wrote it down. We'll see. We'll get there. But (laughs) You also said, like, we're seeing the world not only based on how we were brought up, what our culture told us, what our religion told us, what our family unit told us, what our friends and our families and our and the news cycle and the TV shows and the movies and all of that, right? Society. But we're also seeing things based on our own wounds and our own triggers.
1: Yeah.
0: And I know that I have lived this journey as well in my own ways, and that's been a big thing for me to see. Like, oh, wow, I react to these situations based on this parental unit, you know, this parental figure in my life who reacts that way in those situations, right?
1: You're absolutely right. And the problem is if you don't heal that, you're unconsciously projecting it onto other people because you don't own it. And so you're so busy judging and projecting on other people and blaming the other person for your unhappiness instead of taking responsibility for your unhappiness. And the other part of it is how we inherit beliefs through our ancestors. And that was huge for me when when I saw studies about white mice and uh, how they they had them smell a particular smell, and they'd give them these electric shocks every time they smelled the smell and when they started to associate it. And their grandpups evolved to the fact that they could just smell that smell and run. And they've done studies through World War II with people who have survived the Holocaust, their grandchildren and great-grandchildren. They all carry those wounds. And I was just, interestingly enough, at a um, Native American elders gathering uh, Mm. in Vermont and the wisdom from these Native Americans was immense. One of the things that I noticed was this incredible amount of wounding and insecurity because they have been so badly treated and so abused and had so much taken from them that they were shocked that white people were there who wanted to learn from them, wanted to learn their dances and their music And learn their wisdom. And they wanted to share it so desperately. Whereas most people would say, you know, who are you, you know, how dare you go to a Native American issue? You're co-opting their culture. Not at all. They want to share. They want people to have their wisdom. They want it to go out because a lot of their children aren't carrying on the Mm. culture. And they want this wisdom out there. And I was so touched by that and and I even said to them I see this this trauma this ancestral trauma that has come down through the generations and they said absolutely they all suffer from it
0: yeah that's amazing yeah you talked about the epigenetics and I loved the fact that you included studies and references and like these are things that I've heard in passing or read about in different books but never actually saw the studies that were linked to them or like the real research. Right. So it's like, I couldn't even intelligently speak on it. So I just really appreciated you having that information in the book. That's really easily accessible and digestible for people to understand that trauma is generationally linked in our DNA. Like it is literally handed down genetically
1: and can be resolved. Exactly,
0: exactly,
1: and and I do that work um, all the time, and it's amazing the profound healing that happens with people when we can actually travel. I have people go into their DNA, and and go and ask to go to the original ancestor who had that experience or trauma, and you don't have to know who they are. It's just this information is there because it's part of you, and so you access that part of yourself. and, uh, and, and heal from that. And uh, it's very powerful. And, and I've had people go down several generations. And here's the one of the greatest things that I learned from um, my experience, one of my earlier sessions doing this work, I had a client who had a particularly evil ancestor, like really wreaked havoc on people and was borderline demonic probably demonic and when we went back to have a conversation with this with this part this 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 ancestor and we said what what you know had transpired in the family and how much pain it had caused they actually found joy in it and and the more we told them about the pain the more emboldened it became and the happier it became which i was really surprised and then we get, I said the greatest healer is love, and we showed it unconditional love. It was like the Wicked Witch of the West from The Wizard of Oz. It melted, and there was a huge healing. Wow. It's love. Love heals everything. Yeah. And forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the greatest keys. It's part of unconditional love. But I have found through all of my work, unconditional love and forgiveness are two of the keys finding joy in your own life girl
0: amen yes absolutely oh my god so much so I had a quick question oh no before I do that I want to make I want to make sure to mention this because after you talked about like we are ignorant of being ignorant you also there was also a quote the problem with experts is that they do not know what they don't know yes Which I absolutely loved because that just goes back to reinforce like we only know this sliver of the entire picture, right? And so there is like our truth, my truth, your truth, and then there's like the universal truth of that love is really the only thing that actually exists and everything else is just stories made up by our DNA and our minds to
1: keep us alive, right? So true. That's everything. And even studies, when they do studies, you can skew any study any way you want, because if you want it to reflect your belief, you're going to find, you're going to get the study to reflect your belief. I've been saying that
0: for years, that like when we do studies, a lot of people are not in a neutral space. Like A, we're not taught how to be in a neutral space. And that, I mean, I don't know if anybody can truly be in a completely neutral space while they're still in a body, to be honest.
1: like I just saw a fellow on social media, and I hope I don't butcher this, but I was hysterical, that they were referring to how you can skew studies any way you want. And he was saying that he was talking about the population of China and that China is so big in population that one in four or one in five children in the world is Chinese. And he said, and therefore I can state that if you have four children, your fifth child will be Chinese. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> that's hysterical. That is hysterical. Oh my God. <laughs> and could be true. Right? Like, <laughs> like, yeah. That's so funny. Oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I love that you talk about the reticular activating system, and and so, do you want to explain that a little bit for our listeners to kind of go into sure. what? Sure.
1: The reticular activating system is the part of our body, our, our ne- neurology, really that is the part that when we could, when we saw saber tooth tiger, you know, all the blood would run from our brain and go to our extremities and we would have the superpower strength. That's how these mothers could lift a car by themselves to get a child out from under it. But at the same time, when that's running all the time, it will um, wreak havoc in your, in your system, but it also is a filter on how you see the world. It filters the information because we get bombarded with millions of bits of information and we can only take in a very, very small part of it. So it acts as a filter. So if you unconsciously have a belief and that you don't even realize, let's say you inherited a belief uh, that um, something happened to your grandmother where she was betrayed by someone and you inherited that belief. And now you go through this life unconsciously believing that you can't trust people. So that reticular activating system is a beacon and it looks for people and circumstances and it creates uh, situations where you meet people and end up in situations where you can't trust and therefore it reinforces it over and over and over again. When you heal that, When you get to that unconscious belief and you heal that, you suddenly will see the world from a neutral perspective. And that way, maybe you'll, you'll attract people who you can't trust, but you'll be able to see it right away and you'll know it. And then you start to attract people who you can trust because it's no longer your beacon. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. I love that explanation. Thank you. And, and, it it's not wrong or bad right like it's just our filter for being able to view the world and and it makes us realize like how important those beliefs are like what is your belief around money i loved that you talked about money so much cuz that is what i really focus on in my business but Absolutely. and also like health and you know yeah if you have a chronic illness i you 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 like danced around shadow work ever so briefly but mm-hmm. like part of it was like so you have you may have a belief that's not working for you, but it is working for you in some way, right? And like, how is that working for you? Um, Being, and I, you know, being aware that like, if something quote unquote, isn't working in your life, there is a reason, there's an unconscious reason of why you're keeping it around. And so not judging it, not making it wrong or bad or, uh, you know, evil in whatever way, but just being curious with it. So I loved that.
1: Right. I had an unconscious belief that I was, would always have to be taken care of and that I could never be alone. I was terrified of being alone. And that held me in a relationship that made me, that I stayed too long. Um, but I always say everything's in divine order because people would say to I would ask, you know, how do you know when it's time to go? And, you know, it was finally time to go. I allowed those beliefs that I could never be alone and that I could never take care of myself financially. I allowed those to run everything. When I faced that and healed that, it was no longer part of the reticular, you know, activating s- system. So it wasn't, it wasn't running me anymore. I could see further beyond that. But Uh, I held on to it for a huge part of my life. I want to say over 50 years, it was a huge part of my belief system from the time I was a little girl. Well, and I would almost say like that's probably one of
0: those genetic things as well, right? Because before modern day, which has really only been like the last 150 years, you would die if you were alone. Yeah. You couldn't survive on your own. You didn't have a store to just go and get groceries from. You had to actually know how to hunt or fish or mm-hmm. you needed somebody in your community who was doing that to share with everyone. Right. So there, there is a lot of this that I don't think it wasn't wrong when it was originally instilled. Um, and it's not bad. It's just that now we are so much more interconnected to be able to find our communities of people that we don't need to be as afraid of losing Certain, you know, people in our lives, like new people, will show up. The
1: universe will provide for us at all moments. And and my life proved that to me over yeah. and over again. I the, the biggest takeaway in all my experiences was uh, trust. Was to to trust that everything was in divine order. And, and and you can see in all the stories that I put in there is that I literally would always put myself in really uncomfortable positions. I would always put myself in these places where I was always pushing myself, pushing the edges. And until I I was like, I realized that it was always the fear of the fear that got me, not the actual doing of it. And once I was able to realize that and let go of the fear of the fear and just, you know, it's like, all right, I'm just going to step off this ledge. And yeah, I'm going to bounce a few times, but I know that I will, I will get an amazing lesson from it. I'll meet some incredible people from it. Or I'm going to have this amazing epiphany that's going to change my life. There's always something there's always a gift in it.
0: I love that wisdom. I love it. I love it. Okay, so do you have a favorite exercise in the book? Like if somebody were to open up this book, and they don't have a lot of time, they don't have the moment right now. to actually like go through everything. What would be the first one? What's the most important one that you feel like they should go through?
1: Yeah. It's something that I use all the time. And by the way, there's a QR code that takes you to, I'm still working on all the videos, but there's three up there now. One of them is with Kevin, my business partner. Um, he has this thing called EMRT, um, it's an eye movement that gets you right out of trauma immediately and, and anxiety. Uh, but there's one that I use, the emotional release method. And it's the should I let it go? Yes. Could I let it go? Yes. When now? And so anytime that you're feeling discomfort or coming up on a belief or something that's bothering you, you want to close your eyes and you want to go into your physical body and say, where do I feel this? And most people say it's in my chest excuse me, or my stomach, I feel it in my solar plexus, or it's a thought, give it a number from zero to 10, 10 being the highest. And then the idea is actually to bring that thought to neutral. The idea is because when we make decisions that are emotionally based, they're not always good decisions. When we can neutralize ourselves and look at it from a, a, a different perspective, Because we want to be able to reframe it and see it from all sides before we make a decision. And that's what I love about this emotional release method is that you're letting it go and you're getting it out of your cellular body. And I've had people who've actually released physical pain from that as well, that they're holding on to beliefs um, that are related to the body-mind connection. Uh, it's a very powerful um, technique, and it changed my life. And I still do it all day long. I still use it when I feel the jitters, when I was waiting, going on Amazon every hour, checking <laughs> the status of my book. Letting go, letting go. Should I let it go? Yes. Could I let it go? Yes. When now? Simple words. Amazing. And, and uh, you know, I can't go without saying the ho'oponopono. Pono the forgiveness work. Um, both of those combined, if you only get those two things out of the book, they'll change your lo- your life. And if you get a chance to read about, I, I, I did as much as I could to talk about the story of Dr. Hugh Lin and how, where the Ho'oponopono came from. Um, but if you want to do deeper dive, I highly recommend it.
0: I love that. You know, I'm a big fan of Ho'oponopono and we're going to be talking about that on a future episode. Stay Mm -hmm. tuned. Um, Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I also loved Lisa, how you integrated not only the belief work, but also like the why work and values work. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was a really beautiful integration. And I also really appreciated it as a person who knows the depth and the breadth of your work right um I love that I thought it's it 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 went so seamlessly you said something that I that I that I marked down here that I wanted to a, a couple of things but you know we need a purpose in order to be happy and so often I know that when I was younger, you know, you feel really unfulfilled and like you don't have a purpose and you don't know what that is. And and it can take a little bit, but I know that the work that you do is really powerful in helping people figure that out, like what their why is and then what their how is and what their what is, um, which is really, really amazing work. And then the values work is so profound as well, because when we know our values, then we know what lines up with you know,
1: with us and the projects that we want to do and the people that we want to say yes to and the things that we want. And that's it. The people we want to say yes to, as well as the companies we want to work for and the people we want to do business with. Because when I was young, I had no sense of self. I didn't know what my values were. And one of the things that I tried to really uh, make sure that my kids knew at a deep level is when you relationship with people, it's important to a relationship with people who share the same values as you because because i didn't know what my values were and i was very young getting married and i didn't have a sense of self i just took on my ex-husband's values mm. and it was very codependent and then i started to realize that mm, this doesn't feel so comfortable it's like a coat you're taking off i'm like i don't like this one so much either and and as, I, as the layers were coming off i realized that we were starting to you know really really separate in where what our beliefs and our values were and then on top of that in discovering my why um helped me own who I who I am because when you're a challenge personality when you're challenge why you think outside the box you always want to do things differently those are hard kids to raise and they're hard to grow up because you're always on the outside you don't fit in um, you think differently your grades aren't necessarily great because you learn differently. Whatever it is, it's always outside the box. And my, I have uh, my my business partner Kevin. He owned his, like he loved. He's also challenged, and he's like, I own it. I love dressing differently. I always like being different, but I also was very wounded around it. Hmm. Once I owned my why. Once I knew my values. Once I could hold on to that. Then it really helped me better understand myself and the fact that our purpose is not our work. And and we also want to make sure that we are not service to self, that we are service to others. And that's where the joy comes in. One of the things that I always say is the most important thing, you want to get out of depression, start helping other people and bring joy to their life. It will be gone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I love you did mention too like there is also a fine balance right yeah. like we also don't want to be a martyr to everyone else I think intention is important right. to remember um but yeah like the best way to get out of a funk is to realize you are a small fish in a big pond and go out and help people I know I had a health crisis a few years back and what actually helped me was going and seeing how much worse other people who had the same affliction was. And maybe that sounds like really bad in some way because I, but it actually made me so grateful and it made me appreciate the strength of my body and how my, like it makes me get goosebumps just talking about it because I real I literally just started sobbing at like how grateful I was that my body had been giving me so many different signs and hadn't gone that far down the path and that I had listened to it and that my food was my medicine and that I knew what I was doing. And I would check in with my body at all moments of time and be like, what should I eat and what should I take and what should I do? And like, and I spoke with a professional later about And she literally, she was like, how fast did you heal? And I said, four months. And she was like, that is absolutely unheard of. Wow. What did you do? And I said, I will tell you all day long that the key to my success was gratitude. It was complete love and gratitude and adoration for this physical body. And so that realizing that I wasn't the only one having this and like looking at what other people were doing, like that helped me so much. It's just that, you know, getting out of our own headspace sometimes right. and researching and and not doing it from a look at how great I am. I got, the you know, like I got well so quickly, like, no, it was like genuine um, gratitude and intentional and um, healing for me.
1: But so. that journey is an inspiration for others to help others get out of that place because right. um, when you're that sick and you don't see a way out, there's you go very deep into depression. And when you see someone who's been in your shoes and seen a way out and you can help someone, that's everything Celeste. Right. Right. It's so, and it, it goes back to like
0: the whole, premise of this book right like it's all about your mindset and what are you thinking and what are you believing whether it's conscious or unconscious you know it, it's it's there your life is the is the culmination of
1: all of your beliefs absolutely absolutely and and one, there was a woman that i saw speak um she's a female in a man's world um uh susan morris and she uh I saw her speak this past winter. She's a geologist and she was in the oil industry, oil and gas industry. And she was convinced that there was um, oil um, right off the coast of Belize. And there were 50 oil, 50 companies that were drilling and drilling and drilling and no one found anything. They all left. She was still convinced there was oil there. She went back to Ireland. She raised a million and a half dollars with which apparently is nothing for oil drilling. People were mortgaging their homes. They were doing everything they can to support this woman because she believed so strongly and she saw it. She had the vision and she went back teamed up with a fellow who was a native of Belize and on his first drill, she struck oil, but not only that, it was so shallow and because of the warmth of the water it was so light, it didn't have to go through being uh, refined. So they could literally just take it from the ground. And she made sure that she supported the country of Belize to, to create new jobs. It wasn't about her. she gave back to the community and she inspired me so much and her will. And, and when she spoke, there's articles written about her as well and Forbes, um, which I recite. Uh, but how positive she was. And how she set that goal and there was nothing stopping her. And she believed in her heart of hearts. And that's that's the key. That's when you release the lies, that's how you find your truth. It, it, yeah. it was like how this book happened. Is that the law of attraction? Everything started lining up. Like I cannot even begin to tell you. It was like everything started going on fast forward. The people I met, the circumstances, how everything showed up, and how the boat, the book ended up getting, you know, formatted and going up, and it was crazy. And then, literally, in one, in less than a week, it hit bestseller in two different categories on Amazon and eleven new number one new releases. I I was like I started sobbing, and um, when I got the book in my hand, in my physical hand, I was like, I didn't even know what to do with it. There was such pride and joy and and exhaustion, tears,
0: of, like relief. You just birthed an entity. It like is, you just it birthed book. Birth. Birth. It is. It is,
1: and it I is. know you know that so well. Yeah, because of the work you used to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's beautiful. So I'm so so happy for you and so proud of you um I, I mean i have so many more notes but it's already been 43 minutes and so i want to <laughs> be really respectful of our listeners um i just want to say well maybe we can end on this and lisa if you have some final words oh god there's so many good notes here okay i start this so i'll i'll And with this. When we worry about someone, we send them an energetic message that you don't believe that they can accomplish their goals.
1: Early on, when I started doing this work, I and I had this need to worry. And someone, uh, one of my teachers, my mentors was sitting next to me and she started poking me. Actually, you can see it better this way poking me. And I was like, she goes, how annoying is that? I said, that's really annoying. She's like, you want to slap me, don't you? I'm like, I'm getting close. And she said, when you worry about other people, you're sending them a, an energetic poke that says, I don't believe that you can accomplish your goals. So therefore, I have to do it for you. And it creates an enabling and you're disenfranchising the other person. The other thing that I learned that was very powerful was, especially in, in as a coach and working in this industry, watching people in pain. And I always felt like I needed to take people's pains away. And I realized that pain is the greatest um, impetus for for change and transformation. It's the greatest teacher. It is the greatest teacher. And so by me worrying and constantly trying to fix everything, what I was doing was preventing someone from having their transformation. And when I look at people now who are in pain, I sit back and I hold space. And I might plant a seed here and there, but I also want to just cheer inside because when they get to the other side, this is this is going to be the greatest this gift that ever happened to them if they're willing to do the work. And um, the the other part of it is I always say our greatest wounds are our greatest gifts because no one knows that pain like you do. So once you get through it, that is your purpose. That is a huge part of your purpose in life. It is not your work. Your work may be related to it, but it is not your work. It is the overcoming of that wound and stepping into your sovereignty. I know who I am. I have now healed this and I am grounded and I'm here to do my work.
0: I love that. I love that. Oh my God. We could talk all day. (laughs) Literally, I could talk all day about this book. I'm going to be going back through it. Um, I love it. Lisa, so tell us where people can find... Well, actually, I don't even need to do that. So I put a link to the book in the description of this episode (laughs) so people can find it. It is on Amazon. The title is In Every Belief is a Lie. And Lisa, where can they find... Can I just say more about this for a second? I just feel called to also name this. There's a lot of books where people are like constantly leading you into someone's work and like hammering with like, get on my list here and here's my work here. And this is what I do. And you did not do that. I just want to name like, thank you for not doing that, for trusting your reader that if they feel called to work with you, that they will come to you. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, at the conclusion, I did mention my my website, but for the most part. Um, I'm about teaching people to do the work themselves. And, yeah. and if I can be a conduit in that, that's great. But I I I always say I don't want people staying with me for long periods of time. I want them referring to me. Because if I haven't helped someone with their issue within, you know, within in less than six months, then I haven't done my job or the other person isn't ready to do their work. Mm. Girl, mic
0: drop. That's <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for blessing the world with your amazing wealth of knowledge and wisdom. Um, it was pretty amazing. And so, to let our listeners know, next week, actually, which is the third Tuesday of the month of August, is August 16th, end of 2022. And we will be talking about the fifth agreement then, we promise.
1: Yes, I got to start reading (laughs) it. I know.
0: You've been writing a book. That's kind of why we got a little bit off track. And I was like, yeah, we can be easy about this. It can be fun. The content will live forever. Um, The right people will always be attracted to this message and to this episode. And we just trust that. So thank you so much. We love you so much. We love you, Lisa. We love you, dear listener. And we will see you next episode.
1: Thank you so much.
0: This has been the Ease of Business podcast for enlightened entrepreneurs, hosted by Lisa Schirmerhorn and Celeste Hartwell. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find us at theeasofbusiness.com on our Facebook page and on YouTube at the Ease of Business podcast. We stream live on YouTube and Facebook every third Tuesday of the month, and we'd love it if you'd like to read the book that we're doing next and join in the conversation live at 7 p.m. Eastern. See you then.